Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone. Welcome to the 76th edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. Each week we pick a rider uniform number from yesteryear mostly that correlates with the number of the podcast. Number 76, Plaza of Honor member Doug Killo, former rider defensive lineman Rick Moore, and of course Bill Baker, who started as 70, started as 65 with the Bronc with the Broncos. Where's my brain? With the Rough Riders, ended up wearing number 76. That's our 76 uh, treasury today. Uh, Murray McCormick, who started working here in 1976, is with us. And we're very very pleased and honored to have number 95, Luke Mullinder. What's up? From 980 CKRM. uh, Pardon me, 620 CKRM. Old habits die hard. That's all good, man. Um, Luke's just an absolutely amazing football analyst. We're so pleased to have you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. How are we doing so far, analysts? You guys are doing great. Aside from me botching the opening, um, Luke is here to save the program. (laughs) <laughs> no shortage of topics. Let's dive right in. Riders versus Winnipeg looming on Sunday. What do you think of this matchup? How does it break down for the Rough Riders? Do you think, Luke? Well, I think that what we saw against Calgary was a Calgary team that was unprepared for uh, Chris Strebler. I, I don't think I think that they had prepared during the week as if he might be playing. I don't think that they prepared. Uh, for a direct package and how that actually was going to be implemented within the whole scheme for Winnipeg. Uh, fortunately for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you see it. You see the balance and potential that it now has with Chris Strebler being in the lineup um, and how Lapo unrolls it, especially throughout some of the situations, right? Situational football is important, right? So possession in 10, second and seven plus, second and four to six, right? There's all sorts of um, segments of the game now where Lapo had utilized different personnel groupings and plays uh, to best position them to advance the football or score, right? So I think that the, the advantage for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders now is they've seen probably the best case scenario as well for Winnipeg. Like, I look at that game and I look, well, that's probably the best offensive output that they're going to get out of the Blue Bombers in that sort of situation. So Saskatchewan has everything on film, and now they've just got to, again, you can't just show up on Sunday. You've got to, if you want to win on Sunday, you've got to win the whole week. So it starts from day one all the way through. And actually, to tell you the truth, it started before that. It literally started the, the day or the minute the game ended for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They knew they were playing the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and the guys needed to start watching films starting working out, starting doing the right things from that point on in order to be successful on Sunday. Do you think they have to prepare for Andrew Harris having a more a bigger role now? Do you think that they might go back to that? Or do you think it's just going to go with this two-headed monster of Zach Galaris? And, yeah. Uh, That's a good question. Covered. I think that Andrew Harris is always going to be a part, an important piece of the Winnipeg attack because they can always use his credibility as a threat. For instance, whenever he's in the game, it doesn't matter if he doesn't get the football, you have to account for him, right? So if he's splitting out, right? If he goes from, um, if he goes from being the tailback to going out and creating a, a potential mismatch against the linebacker, right? You have to account for that. If he's in the backfield, you have to account for the run. So play action pass to Winnipeg is always going to be something that they're, they're going to have in their arsenal yeah. because you have to respect any run look that Winnipeg gets because they can literally get a first down anytime 
time they run the football. So you have to you have to respect Andrew Harris and what they're capable of, right? It's like when we were talking off air before this thing started, right? Um, the Vikings in the Sunday night football game took Ezekiel Elliott completely out of the picture, but their whole premise was he's the entire centerpiece of that offense. We'll have a better chance of winning if we respect that and understand that and attack that piece. I think that you have to look at Andrew Harris the same way. How uncommon is it for a team to have this many looks with the running game? It's mm-hmm. become pretty much standard that quarterback stands in five yards behind center mm-hmm. and hands ball to running back out of the shotgun. Mm-hmm. That is pretty much what the running attack has become. But now the Bombers seem to have a quarterback whose forte is the run, well, mm-hmm. it is. Plus, there's Andrew Harris, the conventional running back. Mm-hmm. Plus, you're infusing Nick Dembski into the package. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me of 1950s football where you've got mm-hmm. all these little pieces <laughs> whirring around in the backfield yeah. as opposed to the stationary running back behind mm-hmm. the stationary quarterback. This is nothing that we've really seen mm-hmm. in recent years, or unless I'm misreading it. Yeah, and I think that the best part about that is is, is it's actually not a threat. It is what it is, right? So when Strevler goes in there, I look at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders It's saying, okay, well, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play man defense. Right, you've got Strevler, you've got Andrew Harris, you've got Nick Dembski. Right, we're gonna line up wherever those guys are. That's where because we're in man, that's where we're gonna be. Right, just don't get out leveraged. If Dembski goes from the left side to the right side, you've got to follow him. But if you're following him, you got to be even with him. You can't be behind him because if he goes into the flats, you're automatically out leveraged. Right, things like that. Or you can play. I wouldn't recommend playing zone behind it, but you might look at zone as an option if there if it was second and seven plus and Strevler was gonna be there. Right. So again, man zone, whatever you want to play, you just have to understand the scenario. And I'm, if Strevler's in the game, then it's not an advantage for Winnipeg in terms of them throwing the football. I think that's what people have to understand. Right. I I kind of wonder. No possibility of them throwing the football. 23 snaps on Sunday, no passes. Yeah. Do you, I kind of wonder watching Strevler hobble off the field on Sunday, Mm -hmm. whether he's going to be able to play. I Mm -hmm. wonder. What his ankle was like Monday morning. Mm-hmm. I wonder what it's like now. I wonder if he can get, you know, does, I've never had freezing other than some mm-hmm. tooth work. Does the freezing can still work a week? Can he still get through that another week? Yeah. That's a big question, I think, with that. And it's a really good question. And I think the perfect person to ask would be Wes Cates. Um, when we were in 2007 uh, and we were approaching a Grey Cup game, we, we, what we knew that Wes had a foot issue, right? And we were literally like, Wes, what, like, literally, can we, we will dedicate three scout team guys this entire week to carrying you around. <laughs> like you don't have to walk at all. Just stay off. But the thing was though, that was, that was because it was the great cup coming up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, we need you for this game. And then we knew you to, we could, cause then we're going to move on. Yeah. Right. So Chris Strebler's now in a position where I complete, you saw him hobbling around. I couldn't imagine what his foot felt like oh, once oh. that freezing went off. Wore off, what if it right? worn off during the game too? Because it looked like he started off. Because mm. as he came out late, and I kind of you talk about mm. Calgary not being ready. Maybe he came out late to the game. And maybe they were trying to put off putting the freezing. Yeah, in. Yeah, they didn't show that card it's early, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, and then so in the second coming. half, maybe the maybe they froze it again. I, I'm not. Yeah, as I said, I'm no expert on freezing other than I. Well, I like. and you know, I, I feel like everybody's everybody's celebrating the fact that hey, this is a guy who. 
who uh, broke his foot and he's doing everything he can for the team. And that's that's all well and good during the season. I, I look at Chris Strebler as being as having a specific asset that carries himself into potential negotiations as a quarterback for whatever team, right? Mm-hmm. Is And if you're out there, it's all good to be like, yeah, this is for the team, this is for the team. But if you're risking your entire career, right, um, doing that, it's not, it's not – you better win. You better have a ring – to be able to tell that story at the end of the at the end of your your career, because that ring might be the only thing that you get out of the deal, because this business is is is, is cold hearted. It's a business. It's not going to sit there at the end of the season or negotiation time and say, "Oh man, you know what? Thank you so much yeah. for putting your entire foot on the line, and thank you for saying, you know what? You're missing a foot, so what we're going to do is we're going to sign you to a long term contract. As a matter of fact, we're going to give you fifty k." <laughs> up front for doing it. This is not the business that does yeah, that. Very no. unforgiving. No, they're going to say, hey, man, you know what? You, We respect you so much for how you toughed it out. Okay, so am I your quarterback? Uh, actually, no, we're going to go with we're gonna go with these two guys, but people remember what Wes Cates did. Mm-hmm. People yeah. remember you remember because we got a ring for it. 07 West final yeah. against BC. He was so gutsy in the Grey yeah. Cup. He closed it out with a run for a first down. Mm-hmm. All mentioned in the book. Yeah, but. What he did then was amazing. George got, Reed in the playoffs once upon a time. Cody Fajardo coming up this week. We got a ring for it. That's why you remember mercy. it. We got a ring for it. And I don't think West's foot was to the point in the West final as it was with Strevler, right? I look at Strevler's foot in that game last week being West Cates' foot um, in 2007 in our actual Grey Cup game. You'll have to ask him, obviously, right? Yeah. I don't want to speak for the guy, but that's just how I feel about it. And, again, they've got a whole – they've got two games to go to get that ring. Right. So we remember it because I look at my great cup ring now, if I wore it and I'd, I'd literally feel all the emotions, all the, you know, all the prep, everything that we did during that whole season. Right. That's why Strevler's got to get a ring now because that's all you're going to have at the end of your career. That's all I have. That's all everybody has. Do you think they can win with Zach Kolaris as the quarterback? You're going to a traditional role with, with Zach being, if Strevler can't go and you mm-hmm. go with Andrew Harris. Like, I, I saw enough from Zach. That pass to Darvin Adams was a beauty and that mm-hmm. changed the whole game. Yeah. But I don't. Can he come in and beat the Riders? Like there's, there's a that's a pretty big ask mm-hmm. for a guy who's only really played two games. I think that Paul Lapolis is the most dangerous when Paul Paul Lapolis has um, flexibility in his weapons that he uses. Um, I don't think that Winnipeg that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers can beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders straight up with Zach as their main quarterback and Andrew Harris as their main running back. I don't think Paul Lapolis is capable of putting a scheme together that that would beat Jason Shivers mm-hmm. when it's just when it's that just piece for piece. I, I really don't. I think that um, Jason Shivers has done a great job. So that's the thing. I mean, can they do it? Absolutely. Yeah, they yeah. can do oh, it yeah, because the riders could come out and crap the bed and not play well at all, right? Yeah. And not be prepared and be lazy. And they, yeah, they cannot. But if you were to go, you know, piece for piece, I look at it as saying, well, you know what? If if they only had Zach Caleros, then Paul Lapolis is going to have to put together a scheme that really is something. You know, there's something to be marveled at. And I and against Jason Shivers and the Saskatchewan Rougher, I don't know if Paul Lapolis can do that. Is there any possibility of them infusing the pass into the equation at all with Streveler, at least re- to reduce the predictability of what they're doing? Because they're telling you, mm-hmm. by sheer virtue of who is playing quarterback, what they're going to do yeah. or what they're likely to do. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty – as much as it worked for Winnipeg, they're also giving away – 
part of the scheme just oh. by having Chris Strebler in the game. Yeah, well, they didn't give it away part of it. They gave they away all, all of it. Yeah, they but put they put their cards on them, the table in Calgary. And give that police a lot of credit for that. Oh, like, after oh. that Darvin Adams pass, we never saw Zach Kolaris, and we just saw Strebler, yeah. Strebler, Strebler, Strebler. Oh, was, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think Paul Lapolice was absolutely outcoached Brett Monson and the Calgary Stampeders. Okay. I'm not saying that he's not capable. I just think that if Paul Lapolice has Zach Kolaris only – that re- it, it limits what he does creativity creativity wise, and I think that that's Paul Le- Paul Lapolis's cap and hat is creativity. Uh, you know, for every certain every now and then, Paul Lapolis will be like, "Oh man, this is," and you'll look at this the play he dials up, and you're like, "Wow, that's." But that's Paul Lapolis in general. That's that's something he brings to the table. So if you have Strevler, that's that's something that you have to say. Okay, well, Paul Lapolis here, here's Strevler. Here's the situation. He's gonna put. He might be able to put Zach in here. What if they're on the field at both times? It just it just presents a lot more for you, you to prepare against. But if someone wants to say Chris Strevler's not playing, period. And it's only going to be Zach Claros. Well, that severely limits Paul Lapolis's ability to be be creative, and it also puts the refocus back on Andrew Harris solely. Coming into the weekend, I I wrote in Saturday's paper and still kind of believe that I thought the Riders' best matchup was Winnipeg because they hadn't beaten Calgary mm-hmm. and they'd been dissected through the air by the Stampeders in mm-hmm. two games. Riders really hadn't figured out Nick Arbuckle or, or Bo Levi Mitchell. Now they won't have to. But now having seen the way Calgary played, mm-hmm. and having seen Winnipeg in the way mm-hmm. the Bombers played, should I re- reconsider my contention well, that the Bombers are a better opponent mm-hmm. for the Rough Riders than the Stampeders would have been? Um, no, I think I think that the the I think the Saskatchewan Rough I think that if you line the Bombers up and the Calgary Stampeders up, I, I I would prefer that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, if it's about a win, would play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah. When you have a team that literally puts all their cards on the table in the game before you play them. Like there's there's no surprises now, right? There's no surprises, and plus you also know that this is a coach that's probably going to pull out some stops on the special team side of things, right? Uh, defensively, um, they're probably going to add some wrinkles. I would look to use Willie Jefferson in the middle a lot, things like that. I mean, all you you can now see them coming. It's like a crocodile without water, right? That crocodile, the the element of surprise for the crocodile is the fact that he can come in and grab you out the water. Well, if the crocodile has to come in and use the use the floor, and there's no well, we can see him coming from a mile away. Yeah. I'm not worried about the crocodile anymore. Now I'm just worried about the fact that hey, are we going to be too slow to avoid the crocodile? Things like that, right? How about I know it's not a crocodile reference, but are you concerned about Cody? Like I've been trying to read about oblique injuries. I've been trying to read mm. about how you recover from them, how you twist, how you turn, yeah. what it does to your body, and it's not an easy recovery. If even mm. I, is there a difference between a strain and a tear? I think the te- a strain means just minor tears. Yeah. I think a tear means major tears. And, and we're going to find – well, we may not find out. Not good news either way. No. And so what do the riders do with – obviously, I think we're going to see how candid uh, Craig Dickinson and Cody can be this week because I wouldn't blame them for not saying a word, mm-hmm. saying he threw the – this is what happened. The eyes don't lie, though. We no, can watch we, practice. Well, we can't watch – the big practice we can't watch is Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And that's day two. And Luke knows that as well as I do. Day two is when all the work is done. Mm-hmm. And if we can't, we won't be able to see that one and see where he is. We'll have to trust them mm-hmm. to tell us what's going on. And I don't think we're going to have a, a Zach Kolaris situation last year where everybody basically lied about Zach not mm-hmm. playing or playing and then getting him in there. But I think I'm concerned about Cody. I yeah. think you have to be. And that's why I think maybe equals things up against Winnipeg a little more yeah. because the uncertainty, even though Isaac Harker won the biggest game in his career to date, I still think there's 
there's got to be concerns about Cody. I don't know how else to look at it. Yeah, I totally agree. I'd be so much more at ease if if it was just a back issue. Yeah. And uh, and I'm like you guys, right? I I I didn't necessarily. I knew that you know doubles and the quarterbacks I played with back in the day, they used you know their rib pads and things like that, and it made them look fat. And I laughed yeah. at them, <laughs> right? But um, it was funny. You can because, laugh at us too, because yeah, we're fat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm fat now too, so it's all good. But and I don't have any rib pads on. But the thing is, is is that I, I was thinking about like how does an oblique injury affect a quarterback? And then I said this on the radio yesterday. Um, I I watched. They've made this big internet sensation out of Dak Prescott and his warm up routine. Have you seen it on social yeah, media with it, him? They're, they're yeah. making it look like a dance. But if you really look at that warm up routine that Dak's doing, like literally, he's tor- he's torquing his obliques. And I'm like, oh my god, wait a minute, like yeah, like that's what Dak is doing right now. He's warming up because he's preparing his obliques for the game that they're about to be in. What they're gonna, he needs his obliques to do. And I said to myself. Is that, a, is that a dance? Is that a warm-up routine that can Cody Fajardo can go out and do? Yeah. I think that he could do it with his back because you can – I don't know about the oblique, right? Yeah. I don't even know how you would start to to protect an oblique that was strained in a game because you're using so much of your core muscles, yeah. right? I, I just feel like I'd be a lot more at ease if they said, yeah, it's a back issue. It's a back issue. So I think it is a general concern, and you're right. They're not going to say anything. They better not say anything. No. Plus – he can't exercise that area. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's rest. What can you do? Yeah. It's rest. And you don't have the luxury of time, but so you've got to rest. Mm-hmm. He's he's a guy. He's, he's a fitness guy. He's not as fit as other guys, but he works on his fitness. So he's probably cut back on his weights and mm-hmm. all. Absolutely has to. So, what kind of shape is he going to be coming into? I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's not about his shape, but what kind of physical mm-hmm. shape will his body be in? It's going to have two weeks off. Well, it's going to be at the the best the best possible shape he's going to be in. He's going to be in it. And the reason I say that is because when you're a team that knows they got into the playoffs, specifically the West final, like it's, it's all of a sudden you're, you're with your brothers every single day. You don't leave their side. Like literally the minute the Saskatchewan Rough Riders knew that they had that bye all the way up until Sunday today, that two week period, they've been together every, and, and it's a force of habit because you're literally now you're in one and done, Right. Like, it's easy if you don't make the playoffs because you know when you're going home. Like, you literally can, if you're if you're Toronto, Ottawa, BC, or not BC, but like, yeah, BC, you could, you could call the airline and say, hey, I want to leave. I need my ticket for uh, November 6th, right? But these guys, they're not, all their leases are done, right? Yeah, now it's true. just like day to day. And the playoffs, that's when you need your, your camaraderie the most. So I'm telling you right now. You eat properly, you exercise all the time, you do all the right things, or at least that's what you do if you want to win a championship. So the the healthiest Cody can be with it, whatever oblique injury he's got, he's going to be it because that's all you do when you know you made the playoffs, especially when you have that bye. You literally spend your, your every waking minute thinking about playoff football. It's just it's I, I it's just the way it is. Like literally, you could go into week seventeen and eighteen, and you could be thinking about what you're going to do after the game. Oh man, I'm going to go to Gabbles. Oh man, I'm going to be in the hookah lounge. Oh man, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go off to Saskatoon for the weekend, right? Like you make other plans. When you're in the playoffs, the only plan you have is the game that you know you're going to play. That's it, and everything goes. In. Like you wish you could you wish you could take that energy and that feeling and that routine bottle it up and literally force guys to think that same way throughout every single week but you just can't because it's interesting you bring that up because on friday's practice 
that was the most spirited, enthusiastic, and guys having fun that I've seen all yep. year. And there's been a, few, a couple of them before big games. I've noticed this sort of more enjoyable. But it mm-hmm. was it was fun to watch. Yep. You could see guys out there, and Cody has brought it up. They like each other. I I, I love. <laughs> Gordy's just love. I don't, I don't know. Maybe do you ever. You can love. You don't know if you love the whole team. I love you my like, guys. You yep. like the whole team for sure. I tell my guys that my one of my one of my brothers from Michigan State just um, just died, and uh, and and the guys that I've talked to every on the phone and through text, we said, "Hey, I love you, bro." Yeah, you love the guys, and that's and that and these situations are where that love comes in. And that's I, I think Craig sorry. Dickinson has fostered that more and more through the season with the, the family board and all these sort of things. Mm-hmm. He tries to get. I'm assuming he got the teams together to watch the team together to watch the playoff games on Sunday and had mm-hmm. pizza. He wouldn't let me come. He said he find somebody else. They didn't have place. any sprouts and uh, yeah, yeah. sorry, and chickpeas you're eating healthy you. now, man. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> but, want to ruin it by but this, becoming is this, vegan. So we're, this is a, a big test for Cody. Is this a big test for Craig Dickinson? As is this, he's a first year coach, he's done amazing things. He's probably he's in the running for coach of the year. It's Orlando Steinhardt is going to be a mm-hmm. tough call. Orlando. It, what does this put the test on Craig Dickinson? Does this mean? He's got to come through, and what's, what's, what we're going to be watching mm-hmm. to see what he does, or does he have to do anything different than he did to get them um, here? He just has to be Craig Dickinson, doesn't he? That's yeah, I think far. that I think that the Craig Dickinson's Craig Dickinson's win in the coaching aspect isn't in the playoffs. It's how they got here. Mm-hmm. There were some legitimate things wrong with this football team, right? They and the worst part it was it was the things that you needed to work. It was the fundamentals. They were not good fundamentally at the beginning and the middle of the year. Poor tackling. Poor this tackle. Terrible tackling. <laughs> that was our previous podcast. Yeah. It was all terrible mixed tackling. tackling. Mixed, uh, you know, bad execution. Um, stupid penalties. Like, there were things that were wrong with the team. And over the last couple games, yeah, they still showed up. But you know what? One of the things, the most important thing, stopped. The special teams got a lot better. Yeah. And tackling got a lot better. You can give your chance yourself a chance with that. They've got to cut out the penalties, yeah. right? They're going to go into this game, and one of the things is about this game: you cannot. I don't care who's at quarterback. If, if Winnipeg signs Tom Brady and the Patriots' own line, the one thing that you're going to not give yourself a chance uh, if in the in that case is if you get penalties. Even Edmonton so. cleaned up their penalties problems on the weekend. Absolutely, they had a few dumb ones. Yeah, a couple, but I don't. They think. still, re- yeah, Edmonton still reared their head. But you're right; they, 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 the their biggest concerns probably going in the game. They, they, they squelched that. Right? It yeah. wasn't as big of a deal as it has been, and that's what I think the improvement that this team's needed to make in order to get to this point they made. So now Craig Dickinson is it's it's hey, it's not about what they do, it's not about who they bring, it's not about the formation. If the if they line up in a Barry Switzer Oklahoma um option T offense, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's about how we approach the game. And I think that's the most successful aspect of Craig Dickinson's um head coaching career thus far is it hasn't been about what the opponent is doing. It's been about how they approach the game and the approach of the game has improved. And so they have to go in now and obviously continue to execute. But the nice thing is the, the major things that were really a concern for you when we both did that last podcast, uh, those have been fixed a little bit. I look at um, the closest rider teams I've covered and that you played on them. I look at the 07 team, and that yeah. was a team that didn't have extraordinary skill, but was really close. I oh, look at the we Ken, played poker every single week. I look at the Ken Miller teams, 09, mm-hmm. 2010. Same thing. And are we seeing part of this again under Craig Dickinson? Do you see some parallels, Luke? <sighs> yeah, I don't know if they're, they're playing poker together every single week, but again, that was you know it was funny because in 2011 when we were absolutely terrible, my buddy who was on those 2007 to 2010 team called me one day and he's like, "Hey man, are you guys playing poker together?" 
I'm like, you know what? No. He's like, yeah, I can tell. You know, I, really? I can tell. I can tell. You, you you guys haven't been hanging out at all. And and I'm like, yeah, man. And, you know, we tried to. We tried to get it going again, but not like 2017. I think that this team, um, I compared them a lot, I, or at least I tried to, to compare them to the three Gay Cup teams I played in uh, for the 2007, 2009, 2010. And I'm not sure where they fit. And I think that's a good thing. Right. I think that every team, you know, we say, hey, in this business, no two teams are the same from year to year and stuff. And I think that 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 stands. So whatever they are doing, though, it's good. I do know one thing. It's it's they're hanging out together. Right. You every time I talk to him, like, for instance, uh, you know, you run into Shaq. Shaq's always got naming next to him. You know what I mean? You run into Adam. You know, he's, he's hanging with guys like they hang out with each other. I don't know how they do that. They Right. But you can tell that this team. Has made an effort, but and that's what I'm saying too. They've also had a week now to really increase that, because I'm telling you, that's all you do when you're in the playoffs. That's all you do is you look to your guys. Like literally, guys have their bags packed as we speak right now. There are bags packed, but they're open. They're pulling things out and they're doing their laundry and they're putting them things back in the back, right? But when their bags are packed and every, but they're hanging out because you start to feel that. You start to feel like, damn man, this is the last time I'm gonna see so and so. This is the last time, you know, like. I remember in 2010 when we when we when we came, my bags were packed. But I remember going into that Grey Cup knowing that hey, this is as this is as far as it gets, yeah. right? And the the one team in 2010, one team is going to feel really good, and one team is going to feel like all the other teams that aren't in it, right? The the seven other teams that aren't, we're going to feel the exact same way. But damn. I'm not going to see doubles anymore. I'm not going to see twos. We're not going to be able to play Monopoly until we get together again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I look at the this the last game, the last time these teams played, mm-hmm. and I don't do this as as capably or as ardently as your colleague Derek Taylor, but I watch every Ryder game, the telecast yeah. afterwards. And the last time the Riders played Winnipeg, I watched it, did a breakdown, mm-hmm. and then it occurred to me: Did Willie Jefferson play? Mm-hmm. Did he get hurt? So then I watched it again. And watched every play that Willie Jefferson was in there. He's in there mm-hmm. about eighty-two percent of the time. Yeah, did not do a thing. No. How did the ball? How did the Riders render him so ineffectual? And how can it be done again? Well, the reason they rendered him ineffective the 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 last time they played is because he absolutely destroyed him the two times before. Yeah. <laughs> and you look on film and you're embarrassed. Like yeah. I've been in film where I'm like, oh my god, here comes the play. Oh no, you know what? I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm just not going to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And when they're like. And they were like, Luke, what the hell are you doing here? I'm not in there. I'm in the bathroom. My teammates, <laughs> they, they just fast forward the play, right? So you go to the bathroom, you wash your hands, you take a while, you make sure they get like four or five plays down, and then you go back in the room, and then you're like, oh, man, my good play's coming up. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? But with Willie Jefferson, it was on film. Like, guys, you want to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Like, we just let number five, one of the best players, the Jadavion Clowney, <laughs> the Jadavion Clowney of the CFL, we just let him go unblocked up the middle. What did you think was going to happen here? So it was a pride thing. And it's a pride. And I think that that's been the case for the last four or five games he's played is that teams have come in just like with Andrew Harris on the offense and said, look, I don't care what we do on D. We're not, A, we're not going to give any turnovers and the ones that do, they lose, right? But B, we're not, we just can't let Willie just do whatever he wants. It's ridiculous, right? So I think that there's a, there's an effort. And then, and, and that's when guys start to press when you haven't, when they see their names in the paper talking about they haven't made some plays anymore. Want to know why he, uh, Willie missed, um, Bagleton going around the edge, right? Kongbo, he's a rookie, but Willie missed him, uh, in Calgary because he was pressing. 
if Willie was a guy that made his, like had been making his plays and 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 nobody would have been questioning his most outstanding defensive player of the year award and things like that, he would have been nice and relaxed. But he saw Bagleton coming around that edge, and the first thing he said, "I got to make this play." Right? The good Willie Jefferson said, "Oh, I'm about to kill this." Yeah, guy. Loss of four. Yeah, loss of four. Here we go and celebrate. It's two different attitudes. So I think that yeah, if you want to render Willie Jefferson ineffective, you treat him like the Andrew Harris on the offense. You say, "Look, number five is here." Here's where number five is. If he's on the edge, I've got to make sure that I don't get beat to the inside because he beats everybody to the inside. He sets him up outside, goes inside, right? Um, and if he's in the middle, oh, man, he's either going to pass rush against me or they're going to run us. And if Willie Jefferson leaves, you better believe there's someone coming around the other way, right? You just got to communicate those things, and you have to be cognizant of where their guys are because he's their guy. It's not Adam Big Hill. It's not Jackson, uh, Jackson Jeffcoat. Right, it's it, you know you, we know that there are Bermuda Triangle back in the secondary. Good if you throw something over there, the Winnipeg secondary is probably going to come up with it if it's not an accurate pass. But in terms of the guy that you've got to focus on, Willie Jefferson is the guy. And I don't care how many sacks and pressures he doesn't have. Yeah. It's you, you want to if you want him to be the most outstanding defensive player and look like that on Sunday, go ahead and treat him like the rest of the guys. That's why they're going to keep. They're, they're just they're not sleeping on Willie Jefferson yeah, just because they've does. seen a couple. Nobody does. Like, nobody does. Can we compare to what's happening with Charleston Hughes a little bit? Like I know Hart Hughes got the sack, yeah. but he's kind of cooled off. And mm. this, does that happen to him too a little bit? But I don't know. Hughes has come on, and I think. Mm. They need him to stand up as a guy who wanted to be the most outstanding defensive player. I think Hughes. Their- I think Charleston Hughes has a chip on his shoulder, and I think he plays on it with it all the time. And I think I look at the. I think in that regard, I think him and Willie Jefferson are different. You got to remember, Charleston Hughes also set a career high in, in tackles this year. Yeah, he had, he, had all, he had damn near fifty tackles, guys. That's and twice as many yeah, as Willie that's, Jefferson. That's that's really good. Right? Yeah, Willie Jefferson's tackle count was down around where my career was. <laughs> I think he had 21 you know I mean? or something. Yeah, like he had like 26 or something, yeah, right? Like uh, he had a ton of pressures and everybody makes, you know, oh man, he batted the ball down, he batted the ball down. That's his, batting the ball down is great, but it's also his understanding of the defense. That's his football IQ. Hey, look, we're blitzing. I'm not the free guy here. Why do I need to continue to stress myself rushing? I'm just going to stand here because I'm blocked. It's not me who's going to get the sack. I'm blocked. Let me jump up in the air and, and knock the ball down. Like, he's his football IQ is sky high. But it's 16 knockdowns, I think. Yeah, That's yeah. pretty good. But yes. Th- oh, sorry about that. Yeah, it's it's 17 knockdowns. But the thing was, though, but the thing is, don't worry, I'll, 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 uh, I'll handle this. But the thing we was about it. need a mic holder here. The, 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 thing, the thing about it is, is that Charleston plays as if there's somebody in his ear saying, oh, man, you're too old. And that's why I don't look at it the same way. I, and Charleston has fun, and you can tell Charleston's having a great time. Sometimes it looks like Willie, um, you know, he needs the externals. He needs the crowd support. He needs, you know, his team. He needs to fire everything up. He needs the, you know, the 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 uh, the big celebrations every time he makes the play. You know what I mean? That's not a bad thing. It's just different guys are motivated, and they're also um, they're steered based on certain elements of their game. And and Charleston always reminds me of a guy who just has a chip on his shoulder the entire time. Because he's tired of hearing people saying he's old. He's tired of hearing people say that he that you know he can't rush the passer. If you look at the the riders, I think the safe assumption or the safe bet at this juncture, and we're recording this on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. is that Cody Vajardo says he's going to play. Probably is going to play, but there's no way he's 100. percent No. If you look at the way he plays and the, the the degree to which the run is an important part of his repertoire, and I don't think the unreasonable assumption that he might be limited in that regard due to the oblique. 
How do the riders compensate, if need be, for the fact that Cody Fajardo yeah. isn't going to be 100%? Yeah, and that's and that's that's where McAdoo and that old line come in because they're going to have to be able to they're going to oh. have to be able to win the line of scrimmage. They are. They're going to have to be able to run the football, and they're going to have to be able to present the look like they can run the football. They're going to have to make it easy for Cody Fajardo. And and the reason why I say that is because if you're not running the football effectively, you're going to have to get a lot more athletic with the quarterback, right? You're going to have to like move the pocket, things like that. But if you can if you can establish the run game, and every time that left guard comes at me, every single time the left guard comes at me, I've got to play that as if it's a run. Versus as if he he's just going to present it, and then I'm going to have to turn into a pass rusher. It's so much more. It's so much more complicated. And then there's the guys that, again, like McAdoo, right? Spread the ball out. You know, get to Kyran more. Utilize the length of the field, the width of the field. And when the ball is in the air, hey, go make a play on it because the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and their secondary, they're going to make a play on it. So you better be up to that task. It's going to be a really interesting dynamic. And uh, But Cody, the nice thing about Cody is, is that he is a most outstanding player candidate right now. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the West, but he's done it within the system. He has not gone outside of himself. He has not put this team on the bat, his back at any point during the year and said, guys, don't worry. We're playing terrible. It's all on me. I'm going to go make these miraculous John Elway in this first Super Bowl um, uh, plays. You know, I don't need to. I, I, I'm going to depend on you guys. And it starts up front. It starts up front. The Riders have to win. It's the most important matchup this Sunday. It's on the line of scrimmage. If they can win the line of scrimmage and physically um, dominate that area and that aspect of the football game, regardless of how Cody's feeling, they'll be all right. We got that Luke uh, goal pretty shortly. But thank you for yeah. being so generous with your time. No, guys, uh, four four minutes until your scheduled yeah. departure. Uh, Murr, do you have any final questions uh, before we... Uh, well, just on top of that, I think it's yeah. give the ball to William Powell. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's make William Powell the guy... <laughs> He should he's be capable. He's and capable. Thiggy. And Thiggy, too. They have mm-hmm. a great backfield combination. I think I agree with you. Thiggy, Thiggy yeah. and Powell hand it off Cody Fajardo, and then every now and again just throw a pass to Kyron Moore because you know he's going to get yards after the catch. Yeah. Don't don't forget. Exactly. You know, the, the Riders can't forget who they are just because what they saw against Winnipeg. There's a, there's a, there's a ton of good weapons on the Saskatchewan Rough Rider mm-hmm. offense other than Cody. you got Kyron, who's as shifty as ever. You've got a great deep ball threat. Shaq, I'll take Shaq 10 times out of 10 over Darn- Darvin Adams, yeah. right? You've got Thiggy, who's a mismatch if you split him out wide, and he can also run. The- and you've got Powell, right? Like, let's not forget. See, the Ryder Nation is so concerned, and that's why I say that the, the, the culture that, the, that Craig Dickinson's in- implemented here is good because it's a, it doesn't matter what they do. It matters what we do. Ryder Nation, don't forget that, that the Riders have a hell of a team. Like, the team that you're going to fill the stadium to support on Sunday, that's a hell of a team. It's a hell of a team. It's like there's plenty of things for Richie Hall and Lapo to worry about. You know what I mean? It's not as if they're saying, "Oh man, we got these guys right." We're not. Hell no. They're about to come into a hornet's nest, right? Um, that was built on the backs of the guys who played before that, but the fan base and how they supported the winning teams when they it got good here. Like there, there's some things that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are legitimately sitting there in the film room and saying, "Okay, guys, what do we do about this?" What a fun week this is going to be. It's going to be awesome. Anyway, Who would have thought up. we'd end up this position June, back in that first game of June? That's, when that's Zach why. Went. Yeah, that's you can why. never figure out the CFL. Just when you got it figured out, you ain't got it that's figured out. That's what's beautiful no. about it. Yeah. No, no. You know what? I mean, the CFL, it's a great game, and, and it's it's that saying. It's an, any given Sunday. But that's why. That's why you got to start. Or Thursday or they, Friday yeah, or Saturday. That's why they've had to – if the Saskatchewan Rough Riders win – it, they want, they're going to win because of the work they put in literally as soon as they knew it was going to be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers they were seeing. You can't show up to Sunday's game 
and and expect to just play and win. That's that's you're gonna lose. Everybody's going home. The locker room cleanout's gonna suck. But if you approach, you know, day one, day two, day three, day four, as if you want to win and and you win day one, you literally win day two. You lit you win day, and that's not just what you do on the on the practice field. It's how you approach the weights. It's how you approach the film prep and stuff like that. That's the thing. If you're prepared. Right. If you're prepared for whatever Winnipeg can do, who cares who they got there? Again, put that Heisman package that the Baltimore Ravens had yeah. out there on Sunday. Put that back there. If I'm prepared for it, I got a way better chance than if I just show up and be like, wow, that's, geez, that's, they got pretty good guys back there. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So, yeah. Luke, thanks so much. Sorry hey, about hey, the man. microphone. No, it's all good, man. And, it's uh, all good. Thank you yeah. for mentioning John Elway. Yeah. If there were bonuses, I knew you'd like that. Yeah, I knew you'd like that. For Murray McCormick, for number 95, Luke Mullender, uh, we'll do this again. Oh, please buy my book. It's now available everywhere. And um, we'll do this again next week. I can't remember the end part. Austin, do we have the thing at the end that we have to read? This is highly scripted and professional. Yes, that's We forgot all about it. Hey. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com, and we'll read it on the show. Another shout-out for Letters Tonight, I guess, Exactly. So that was the Luke Molander. You can follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Vanstone. And Murray at Murray LP, and I think are you you've Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Luke Mall number Luke Mall ninety five. Oh, that's yeah. right. Fitting. Could have yeah. figured that one out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and if you want to hear good rants, go on read good rants. Go to read Luke's Twitter. <laughs> awesome. For Murray, for Luke, I'm Rob. We'll do this next week, and who knows what we'll be talking about in the seventy seventh Rider Rumblings Rider Rumblings video podcast. Thanks for joining us today, and take care. <laughs>